Hello and welcome to the Education Marketer Podcast. Often universities are established institutions with a set way of doing things. This comes with its own set of challenges. But what if it was your responsibility to build and scale an entire marketing function? Joining me today is Chris Acton, marketing lead for KDG University. Over four years, Chris has built KDG's marketing function from just two people to a high-performing team of content, email marketing, and international recruitment experts. This is a man with a story to tell. Let's get on with the show. We found a few students who are really who were really happy that they found us in that first year, and then the next step was just listening very closely to one the students that found us why did they choose us and, and were they happy or not but also um, tracking all the questions that were coming in because that taught us what was not clear in the portals or in the briefing to the agencies or uh, whether we were at the right fairs so we started experimenting straight away and then started measuring and listening what you're speaking about here is this almost obsession on, on focus um you know you work out that 80 percent is like your experimentation you you put this over here and then you've got that 20 percent of real sort of gold you interview the interview those students you get the insights why they're mm. really happy you you replicate that and the other the other area that i think is of really interest to people is you're you're genuinely looking at the questions that students are asking and thinking well if they're if they're asking these questions like how can we how can we plug that gap? How can we fix it? How can we optimize it? And I know you've got some great breakdowns and we'll, we'll go into those a little bit later about how you take that insight and put it into your, your recruitment and your email marketing um, funnel. Off the back of those inquiries and insights, I, I noticed you have a very um, tight website. Um, it, it's There's a lot of effort gone into this to work out what people need to, to see yeah. at what time and you know, as part of my role, I look at so many websites every week for, for the newsletter. And uh, I went on yours and it really did put a smile on my face. The, mm-hmm. the first thing you see on this website is the is the programs that you offer on in, in this kind of banner area, this top header area, mm-hmm. where normally universities chuck up like a bit of branding or a marketing message. You're like, no, here's what we have. Mm-hmm. And then further down the page, you've got your CTAs to your email list. You, you're basically following this playbook of um almost like SaaS marketing but you're applying it in a higher education space tell me a little bit about that and the journey you've gone on with the with the web the conversations you're having with stakeholders and the data you've informed that you use to inform those decisions well those are very generous uh, observations Kyle and I'll pass them on to our web team um (laughs) when we built the the English part of our website which is the part I, I guess you are looking at uh, we built it off the back of the Dutch part of our website. So we had a very well-functioning uh, Dutch website, uh, or Dutch language website for the majority of our programs, around 60 programs. And there's a whole list of them on the, on the Dutch side of things. So we, we started our website journey with an English translation of, of those pages. And like the layout of that page really... Uh, embodies, I think, what KDG as a university stands for. It's very hands-on, it's very direct, it's very practical, um, and it's very student-centered. So these, this is the way we teach, this is the way we, we want to interact with our students, and this is also the feeling we want them to get that we're like, 
straight talkers that we get to the point directly and it's a signal like this is what we stand for if this is for you okay read on if this is not what you're looking for like if you're the program you're looking for is not here then yeah it doesn't matter whether antwerp's a, a great student city or whether like we're really nice people okay so the programs uh first and then i was also talking to a lot of students at fairs i was talking to agencies and i was um manning our email inbox so i read and i heard all the questions that were not answered by our website in the first years when i did this role as a recruiter i wrote a lot of lengthy essays about the difference between a professional bachelor's degree and an academic bachelor or what is studying in antwerp like i must have written hundreds of mini essays like in emails answering students but then of course it dawned on us like this we could do this more efficiently so let's create pages on this english part of our website that answer these well faqs we didn't want to have an faq section on our website we we want our website to be enjoyable to read and to help people help people find the information they're looking for so there's that i was listening to a lot of questions and tried to answer them um, first manually and then on the website um we also started an international student council so the international students that we recruited throughout the years they're part of an international student council and we use them as a focus group to help us understand whether our website is clear for instance or whether our marketing materials are clear because they found us based on previous iterations of our website we've been improving our website cycle after cycle so what you see now is 10 times better than what we had five years ago mm -hmm. um and there's also our student ambassadors who um who do the unibody chat so they answer a lot of questions and we monitor these questions or these these conversations um not to correct them but to see whether all the questions that they get are about the student experience and not about things that i can answer right mm -hmm. so i want to make sure that our student ambassadors don't have to talk about admission criteria or tuition fees or, or like even like housing like that should be clear on the website this is not about the student experience um and based on that we've been adding pages um and we've tried to structure the website according to the student journey, our understanding of the international students' decision-making journey. So we try to be very informative and educational in everything that we do, because I, I really feel that um, education marketers, they're, they're educators first, and we happen to be in the field of marketing, but we're still marketing education. So we should help our audience see what we see and what we know and what we think is is very clear very often isn't for our audience you seem to have this constant flow of insight so you've got your student council that you mentioned there you yourself are plugged into the inquiry emails which i think is very relevant um a lot of marketers don't necessarily see those they might see a lead that comes through in like a crm but they don't normally see the context in which it's it's sent the actual in, inquiry um and i also like how you've foregrounded that idea of program first and almost eliminated the people who aren't relevant for you up front um yeah. big big challenge of lead generation is often finding the leads that are relevant and you know a lot of conversations you, you hear in like marketing offices and i had a similar sort of um, conversation with um uh, i guess a few a few um, weeks back 
saying that you, that you keep hearing like you get bad leads. Well, a lead's only bad if it's not relevant and you can exactly. qualify at various points. And it, it seems to me program is probably a good one to do that with. Exactly. You don't have the offer, <laughs> then there's, there's no point going forward. So having that information up front is, is very powerful. Yeah. So taking those, those insights that constantly flow to you, you have integrated those not only into website communications, but your email um, marketing journeys. And, you know, we had a separate conversation about this and it was a private one, but it'd be good to kind of share some of the stuff that we, we discussed in, in that, because some of your open rates and your engagement on these things are insane. You know, you were getting like 70% sort of open rate on some communications and, you know, you had a whole story behind how you've you've come to get those in- incredible results and how they've impacted inquiries and conversions. So, please share yeah. that with us because it's a it's a good one for people to understand. We're very happy with with our email marketing. I think it's the most important asset that we have in the whole marketing toolkit, um, because again, I I, re- I feel that as soon as somebody ends up in our funnel, it's our responsibility to educate them, to teach them what we know. We're not going to teach them about computer science or business management. That's what's taught in the program. But we'll teach them everything that we feel that they need to know about what it means to join our university. So we explain what the University of Applied Sciences is. That saves me writing a lot of essays, by the way. We just have a standard email about that. Um, we explain them what studying in Belgium is like, what Antwerp as a student city is like. And then further on in that email journey, so it's um, an automated drip feed, further on we'll introduce our ambassadors, talk about their journey. Then students who have made it that far in the email flow, in that email there will be a call to action to uh, engage in a conversation with that student ambassador. And then towards the end of the email flow, I think it's seven mails in, there will be a call to action to to book a call with me or my fellow recruiter. And that way we also filter out students who, we filter out questions that are, well, easily answered on a website or in an email. And we also filter out students who have decided that we're not right for them. And while while the open rates and the click rates are, well, in in absolute terms might look impressive, that's not really a metric where we're really um, measuring or we're not paying close attention to. But one metric that, that I'm very happy with is that we've doubled our, um, our applications last year. So twice uh, the number of students who have um, submitted an application while uh, we halved the number of emails that we got, that I got in my study at KDG inbox. So that means that four times less questions are being asked, right? Nice. Um, and so that, that's why we we built this email funnel. Like whenever you come to our website, there will be a pop-up to, well, just to sign up for our, we call it a newsletter, but actually it's just an, an, like an, an onboarding, um, yeah, yeah, like a crash course in what we're about. And then by the end, when you're, when you're sure that we're the right fit for you, then we'll help you apply. I really see it as a service towards our, our leads. And we, we also work with like positive and, and negative buyer personas. We, we chatted about this earlier as well. So the, the emails also help us to, to no, help students who we're not for, students for whom we're not the right fit. They, they help these students understand that we're not right for them. So they will, they will leave the email flow or they won't book a call with me or with one of our ambassadors. 
So again, it's like serving them, helping them understand whether we're right for them or not, mm. but also helping us to be able to like deal with ever growing student numbers without expanding our recruitment team. So any uh, additional funds that come in through through the the tuition fees that non-Europeans pay, we invest them in the programs themselves, in the student counselors, in onboarding, uh, in integration staff, rather than just expanding our marketing budget or our marketing team. So tell me a little bit about, because what we've spoken about here is the almost your strategic approach to your funnel, like you're answering mm. questions, you're looking at you know the sort of gaps that you can fill with that, that email funnel. What do your communications look like? I'm, I'm thinking more on the kind of practical and, and tactical level here because mm. with a mix of people listening, like from like the kind of strategic level down to the people actually have to create these things. Like, you know, you said you've moved from like writing essays. Like, what do your emails look like now? What's the, the, the theme and the structures look like? Um, we've noticed that um, our typical email will have a lot of white space. It will mm. not have a lot of words. It will have a very clear headline. For instance, um, Antwerp, the student city, or studying in Belgium, what's it like? Or a day in the life of this student. Um, and it will always feature either a digital asset, so a video typically, or a link to a landing page on our website. So um, we keep the emails short, um, very to the point, uh, scannable. So they're it's something that you quickly scan, quickly check if it's something for you. And then if you click on, 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 the, on the asset or on the link, then you'll end up on a landing page on our website where we explain everything that we feel you need to know. And these landing pages, of course, they're, they're like the full essays. And that also helps in terms of SEO and in also for parents, for instance, because they typically end up spending, well, I know some parents spending more time on our website than their kids uh, who end up joining us and they read everything. Um, we even built uh, an email specifically for parents. So it's an email that basically says, forward this to your parents. And then that includes a link to our for parents page. On our website, we have um, a, a page specifically for parents, which is uh, like an executive summary of, of everything that we're about and that we feel that parents should know about this. And we use a different tone of voice, different, well, level of complexity in, in, in the writing there. We made this email to help students or prospective students have a conversation with their parents. It's not like convince your parents about what we're good, but like have your parents read this and then you can have a conversation about why you think we're the right university for you. Yeah, normally the approach is... Um there's a separate parents newsletter or something like that. And you, you have the whole um, fuss and trouble of trying to get people to subscribe to this and a separate track. But I, I really like that approach of actually integrating that communication mm. into a regular student flow here. Here's all the information your parents need to know, just forward it to them. Exactly. I think that's the first time I've come across something like that. That's quite really? limited. Well, again, it's part of us educating. Um, I also do get, emails from parents asking about their kids admission status they also end up in my inbox and yeah i don't answer those well i answer the parents but i tell them like i'm sorry i cannot tell you anything any communication regarding your your sons or daughters admission status is communicated directly with your child like they're adults they're well when they join us they they start a journey towards 
professional independence. And this is the first step that they take care of their admission. Yeah. So we've spoken about email because you know, we, mm. we say that email's dead. It, it clearly isn't. I'm really glad you're getting some fantastic performance out of uh, what you're sending out. Um, you've also looked at what the university can do with social media and you have a slightly different philosophy to to that as well. Tell me about the journey you've gone on on there. What do you have in place and what's working uh, well for you at the moment? Our our domestic students, they love the brand KDG. KDG has a very strong brand identity here in, in Flanders in Belgium. It's very quirky, very different from all the other ones. Very edgy humor. Uh, we have um, like takeovers from comedians or from local influencers. Like we do it really, really well on all the socials, but that's for the domestic market. But we also know because of this expertise that I mentioned earlier on, we know how much work goes into doing uh, social media properly. So uh, we decided not to do it in the first years because we wanted, like, we, we found that uh, first we need to like, get the right students in uh, for the right reasons. And then after a couple of years, we'll have something to talk about because um, we feel that social media, um, if we're going to do it, we, we need to do it well and it needs to serve the students. Like we, we were not planning to do a social media channel just to talk about us right so we picked one channel uh, just last year um and that's instagram the instagram channel is entirely ambassador run so we appointed one student ambassador in our multimedia program she gets um, a weekly salary to take care of our instagram account and she organizes the takeovers, she does the, the posts, she does the copy, and she also takes care of the growth of the channel. Why did we choose Instagram? Because we wanted the, the social media channel to serve two purposes. One, build community. And secondly, to uh, help us with our destination marketing, with our city marketing, or well, Belgium and Antwerp as study destinations, they're not very well known. So uh, Instagram allowed us to create a space for the international students that ha had already found us, who, who were already at the university to well, gather there and share their, their experiences and um, to help other students, prospective students, see what studying in Antwerp is like. It's interesting that here you said um, that you decided not to do social media in the, yeah. in the offing and you know, a lot of times when we think of marketing now, we think content, we think social, it's normally like a, a go-to sort mm. of platform. But I think that's that's a bold choice to go, no, we're going to hold off. We're going to get our offer. We're going to get the basics in place first. And then we're going to look at building out destination marketing and all those those other valuable things that almost augment that that marketing experience but aren't necessarily its, its core because you've got like a successful presence on Instagram now, um, are you? Do you have any temptation to look at what you could be doing with Instagram's like new um, Fred's application? Have you thought about that yet? Are you still thinking mm, maybe we'll hold off on that for a while? You know, I hadn't even thought about it. About <laughs> <laughs> no, um, the yeah. thing is, uh, Kyle, we're we're growing too fast. Mm -hmm. Our international student community is just growing too fast, and um, the real challenge we have now is recruiting enough domestic students to join our international degree programs. So um, our marketing efforts are really focused on 
informing students and making sure that those students who end up joining us are very happy students, students who, are, who will be happy on day one and who will be happy when they graduate three years later. So we, that, that's where the real, that's where my real KPI lies, like how happy are the students that, that we help find us. So just adding social media channels or, or, or creating more awareness or more interested and just more people in the top of the funnel, um, of course, that's going to result in more conversions, but then we'll just increase the problem of, of like the international classroom that we want to create with ideally 50% international students and 50% domestic students. Because what we're really doing here in our international marketing is internationalization at home. We want all students at KDG, all 15,000 students at KDG to benefit from an international presence on campus, right? But if we're going to create international bubbles, classrooms with only international students and not enough domestic students, then we're kind of overshooting our target, the, the real goal here. So the focus of our marketing is, is more on making sure that people who found us choose us for the right reasons and that they're committed and that they're, yeah, that they're the perfect match. Yeah, I I think you're, I think you're absolutely right, and I, I think every time a new platform comes out, it's it's very easy to get distracted from, well, you know, your your customer base, what's working, and you know, I've seen, I mean, definitely over like the last five years, this has increased an emphasis on marketing teams to look at the top of the funnel, and that's where the majority of their efforts are spent, and well, you know, I even know universities where they're the conversion part of their marketing team lives in an entirely different function and yeah. you know, marketing is just left to bring in people and it becomes like a lead count and it's just it's not an effective way of attracting the right people so to hear like you looking at you know, how focused you are and the t right type of student Whoa. coming to your institution is is just super refreshing to hear well we were lucky to have to have this time frame of four and then five years. Um, so everything we built was part of a project that allowed us to sustainably build the marketing efforts, but also the services that these international students needed. Because remember, we only had one international program. And of course, the students in that program were served in all their needs by that program's faculty. So they had an admission of one admission officer. They had one a student career counselor, and they also helped them find, find housing. That was just a small set of students within a big university. But when we scaled that effort and we wanted to have international programs in different campuses, we decided to centralize these services. Marketing is the first part, but there's also admissions. We needed to centralize the admissions part. We needed to centralize student support um, services and then even the alumni services so during those four years we we kind of took the expertise from that one program and then um, made it more kdg if you will mm -hmm. to serve students joining us for different programs and within that scope that four-year scope we also heard from our colleagues that for international student recruitment to really take off you need to take into account at least three or four years. That's also what all, all our agents told us. So there was 
quite a, a lucky uh, coincidence that we had effectively three or four years to get everything in place. And now we're in year five and we see that um, yeah, the, the enrollment numbers are growing exponentially. And luckily we have every everything in place. Um, but again, our main contention was to provide international students with the same quality of service that we have been providing for domestic students. And we've, we've done that for decades now, but the international students was a new, new uh, audience that we're trying to reach and also trying to serve. I love how close you are to the audience um, at all these different points. So you, you receive emails, you go with students to fairs, you, you really truly immerse yourself in what's well, important to the to the customer. Mm. Another touch point you have, I think a lot of education marketers don't is you actually teach at the at the university don't you um yeah. and you know based on a lot of your sort of first-hand insights i'll be really interested to hear your your perspective and what that has done for you and how it's shifted your perspective from a marketer and yeah. perhaps how it's impacted the sort of way that you you go about building yeah. strategies and running operations so yeah what have you learned as a teacher and how have you reapplied that into your into your current role that is a very good question, Kyle. Um, I started working at KDG as a lecturer. That was my mm -hmm. first role within KDG. So I was I was teaching, and then um, yeah, there was a vacancy for an international student recruiter for this new this new project, and I decided to apply. And then um, yeah, I I was picked, so I got to be the international student recruiter. But first and foremost, I joined the university as a as a lecturer, and um, I stepped up to the challenge of, of helping them recruit international students because I I loved what our university is doing. Like we're we're a university of applied sciences. We're personal, um, student centered, not exclusive, not prestigious. We're very hands on and and yeah, real, if you will. And I saw the difference as as I was teaching. I saw the difference in my classroom every day of students who who suddenly I saw themselves in a different light, who really changed their perspective of themselves. But they, like our type of university for domestic students typically attracts the students who have been told that they're not good enough for university or that they won't make it in an academic setting. And then, well, they try the University of Applied Sciences and then they discover all the talents that they do have. And I, I've been seeing that over and over again in my classroom. And because of that, I decided to step up to the challenge and help uh, the university recruit international students, not, not in terms of um, as a part of a business model, but, but part of like hey, this type of education. Maybe there's other countries where students really need to be shown their value, shown their worth. Um, so it's almost our responsibility to open these doors for the students who need it. So that's why I started in, in recruitment and then uh, leading the marketing team, really from the experience where I see the transformation in students. Um, and maybe that's also what inspires my approach to our education marketing, that we're enablers more than recruiters. What did I learn from teaching and that applies to other marketeers? I would say that it really helps that I understand the product very deeply. I understand the way we teach and um, I also make it a priority that I continue teaching the students that I have recruited years ago. So I don't teach them all the way, but I teach them in the first year, 
and some of them I help with their graduation project. So I see, I see the students when they come in, and then a few years later, I'll see who they've become and what they've amounted to, because that really helps me see the transformation that we, well, that we offer. That 360 view then, haven't you? Yeah. It's, yeah. it's almost like you've got a, quite a large stake in the in the students that you that you that you bring in right i try to make it personal <laughs> and i don't know to what extent that is scalable but i see it as my personal responsibility that these students do well and that I, and because of that i need to recruit the right students because of if i'm going to recruit overqualified students or students who are looking for something different in the first place they'll they'll disappear i won't see them graduate so i do i do try to take it personal yeah no, it's not a bad thing at all. It's 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 great that you've actually got those touch points at all kinds of different parts in the journey. And, you know, I've done some guest lecturing in the past at, at university as I've worked at. I've not been a full-time lecturer, but it, it is a really valuable experience. And, you know, if you're an education marketer and you've got like a niche and you can talk about these sort of things and, yeah, try and get those opportunities because it really does give you a different perspective on like the students that you're bringing into the uni um i'm aware that we're reaching time here so i've i've got one more area i want to explore with you and it's your work that you do with um, founders and startup businesses um, mm. outside your work in higher ed it's a very different uh, type of uh, marketing and coaching work compared to what you're doing in, in higher education I'm interested in what you've you've learned from that part of your life and how you've taken some of those processes, that thinking, and applied it in a in a higher ed institution. Do you do you think it's easy to take some of those elements and transfer them over, um, or do you think it's it's quite challenging and um, you know probably something that's you know doable, but actually mm. you know it's a big decision before you kind of step into moving these models over. Mm. Um, I think that there's quite some overlaps. Um, the first thing I think of is the fact that good marketeers are, are good listeners, that they listen for stories, that they listen for the transformation that their audience is trying to go through. And this applies to a startup, a SaaS company who's selling a digital product or, um, well, any business really, you're, you're always in the business of, of selling or of offering a transformation. And um, what, I, what I try to help companies with is to ask better questions, to really get to the core of, of what their clients, what their audience is looking to change in their lives. And this is something that applies that, that is like the core of what we do in higher education and it's less explicit in, in other fields. But I think if you're going to build a sustainable approach to, to marketing, uh, listening is, is like the number one priority. Uh, another insight that I think translates quite well to, to any marketing efforts is that of, uh, of compounding assets, of building stuff that compounds over the years, especially if you if you have a bit of a runway, if you don't need to see results tomorrow. Um, like I mentioned, the emails that we've been building, now we have um, well different series of, of seven to 10 emails, but we started with one or two emails, but they're evergreens, they, they stay relevant. Same thing for our student ambassadors. So attracting the right students, attracting the right clients in the first place, like be very picky about who you serve, that will 
end up with you having more people to spread the world word and that will create a like a flywheel where where your marketing gets ever easier and finally stories like people love stories and they love um to see themselves as a, as a protagonist in that story so us as a university we hardly talk about ourselves because we're not that relevant uh even the staff we're, we're not that relevant it's really about the student who goes on a journey a journey of transformation and we're merely there as a guide as a you know as a like a signpost like uh, this way if you want this and um our marketing really took off when we helped students tell better stories about themselves the stories they wanted to tell about themselves and i think this applies to to any type of marketing or even branding, even personal branding. Like I see a lot of people do, in personal branding who spend a lot of time just talking about themselves, which is not personal branding. It's it's ego inflation. But like if you want, if you're a brand, which means that you have a service, then the real value of your brand is how you help people tell better yeah, stories yeah. about themselves. And I think that applies to any business. Like your clients all have their own stories that they believe about themselves. And if you can tap into those and help them achieve what they believe they want, then, yeah, then you're providing real value. I think there's a whole separate episode on um, personal branding and what it actually is and what it can be. People often tell me I'm good at personal branding, which is really ironic because I don't think about it ever. Um, in fact, <laughs> I, dis I dislike it. Um, yeah. And I think if you start talking about yourself, you'll, very quickly notice that people yeah. stop stop listening um and your earlier oh. point there about transformation um mm. i think this is critical in marketing comms content uh you know quite often we focus on you know yes yes the audience and what expertise we bring <laughs> and things but we we don't focus on like the, the the transformation element what do you what do you get out of that? What what occurs as a result of you coming here, consuming this this piece of content? And I I love your stance on um, brand as a as a means of a platform and helping people tell their Ooh. stories. That that's yeah. great. Because if you think about branding, <laughs> branding is like when you stamp someone with something like <laughs> exactly. brands, and it yeah. it feels quite uh, heavy, like you're receiving someone else's message almost. Right. But what you're talking about here is almost like people on top of that brand and then their voice being heard exactly. and then being able to articulate themselves. I love that. Yeah. There's, there's a, there's a, an image that, um, yeah, that I thought of last night and I'll, I'll just pitch it to you here and let me, uh, let me know if it resonates. Go I think the image that goes best with the personal brand that I'm trying to build, but also what our university is trying to do is that of a, of a disco ball. Is that the right word in English? Disco. Let's go with it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean, like a glitter ball, yeah? And the idea is that like, when, when you look at it, you see a reflection of yourself, like you see yourself reflected in the brand, in the ball, mm. but you also see all these other little mirrors that reflect on all the other people who are also looking at the brand, who are also looking at the product. So... That's the way I approach my personal branding, if you will. I'm just a re reflective surface that reflects on others and makes them look better. And I think that is also what, what us as a university are trying to do. Like, what we do is never about us, like us faculty, our, us staff. We're not that very interesting. 
platform. It's really about the transformation of the students looking at us and the students who have transformed because of us. Chris, I yep. really appreciate you coming on today. Um, it's been enlightening. Thank you. And I'm really glad we can take some of our in-person conversations and put them in a bit of a digital space for a change. Um, what's the best place that people can reach out to you on um, and for both your sort of your, your business work and also higher ed insight? Yeah, I'd say LinkedIn, because um, that combines the two things that I do. So uh, yeah, find me on LinkedIn. And uh, in contrast to other big creators there, I actually reply to every DM. <laughs> I don't have a digital assistant uh, to do that.